The world is more complex than ever. Who can make sense of it? Join Reverend Michael Angley Oguche on NUMA Podcast each week as he shows you how God's Word connects directly to your life in this age and helps you navigate trials and tribulations. If you want to deepen your relationship with God and learn what He has in store for you, listen and subscribe to NUMA Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Just search for NUMA Podcast. Welcome to NUMA Podcast with the Reverend Michelangeli Oguche, bringing your way today the inspired Word of God, and I hope you will be blessed. Thanks for joining us. Our reading today is taken from the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 12, verse 1 to 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to bring your word to the world. I pray today that as we uh, listen to your word, your spirit will illuminate the understanding of my hearers. And I pray, God, that you bless your word as it comes through the sound of my voice. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. The title of this podcast is The Last Jar on Your Shelf. The Last Jar on Your Shelf. Our key passage today is so captivating. This is because it is power-packed. It speaks of true love, friendship, and extravagant giving without inhibition. The key character in the narrative is Mary. What she did, how she did it, and why she did it. Mary, Martha, and their brother, Lazarus, lived in a small town of Bethany in the region of Judea, near Jerusalem. They loved Jesus and followed his teaching to the letter. And in return, Jesus loved them very much. So much so that he spends quality time with them whenever he could to the extent that it was necessary for him to be informed of the passing of Lazarus. You find this in the book of Luke chapter 10 verse 38 to 42. 
Six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, and on this occasion, he is on the verge of entering into Jerusalem uh, for the last time as the king of peace to be subsequently tried and crucified for treasonable felony. But he needed rest before the tribulation begins. So the best place at this time was the house of his friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, the one who was brought back from the dead, earlier in chapter 7. The benefit of having trusted friends are immeasurable, and they are also an important part of human existence because true friendship brings comfort in times of trouble and as well as in times of tranquility. If Jesus Christ needed friend, then we all also do need friends. Some people don't have friends because they have problems with trust. So they want to take their time to get to know someone first before they really commit to it. That is the way of human being. But Jesus Christ still loves us regardless, even if we don't fully understand the nature of his love for us. John did not say much about Martha or Lazarus, but between the line, we know that they all have parts to play in the story. Martha was in the ministry of hospitality, and Lazarus was in the ministry of being, not doing. There is a difference between the ministry of being and doing. I dare to say that these are all very important ministries too. Not forgetting that the rest of the disciples were also there, each with his own grace. I'm not sure how Judas became the treasurer of the group, because we are told that he was a dishonest man. Maybe if due diligence were followed as we do today, at least in the United Kingdom, Judas would not have been given that important role. But of course, you know, Jesus is all-knowing and gracious enough to give us opportunity to change. I believe that Jesus Christ gave Judas the same measure of grace to choose and to be free from sin as he gave the others. But did he take the advantage of it? I think not. God created us as free will moral agent with the power of choice. Each time we make decisions, we are actually establishing what we stand for. I believe that Judas Iscariot established himself as a dishonest person among the 12 disciples. The problem started when Mary lavished love and care on Jesus Christ. She probably took the last expensive jar on her shelf, full of spikenard made of some sweet-smelling aromatic herbs without minding the cost of her commitment to Jesus Christ. She began pouring the perfume on the feet of Jesus Christ. And not only that she did what she did, she untangled her long hair and stooped low until her hair could touch the feet of Jesus Christ and wiped the feet of Jesus Christ with it. 
that was outrageous and sacrilegious in many ways. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 15, that a woman's hair is her glory and that her hair is given to her for recovery. So, this is what it means. This woman didn't care about what people would say and she let down her hair to clean the feet of Jesus. She was also a single woman. Jesus himself was a single man, at least in terms of human being. And she was degrading her womanhood by using her beautiful hair to clean the dirty feet of Jesus Christ. What a great demonstration of wholesome humility. But one may ask, why couldn't Mary, to say the least, use a towel or find some kitchen towel for the job? Did she have to use her hair to do that? Besides, her action was too romantic and unbecoming of a lady in a patriarchal society. A society where she was not allowed to do as she pleased. But no, Mary was very passionate about Jesus Christ and what Jesus represented to her. She had on many occasions listened as Jesus taught and she was also a living witness to the miraculous resurrection of her dead and rotting brother Lazarus. How he was resurrected, she saw it all. So what other evidence could she possibly ask for? She knew Jesus Christ true and true. Maybe in a way that is enough for her to, to believe so much in Jesus to want to spend so much on him. So the question is that how much do you believe Jesus Christ today in your life? What is it that you can give to Jesus? And what is it that you cannot give to Jesus? Do you really know Jesus as you claim to do? At this point in the story, Judas Iscariot, the group's treasurer, stepped in. And he asked, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Judas was right in this assessment because 300 denarii was worth 300 times a laborer's daily wage. And I tried to work it out in pound sterling. In today's currency, and at £8.21, which is the current living wage in Britain, and you times that by 8 hours a day, that will give you 65.68 pence for 300 days. It will be 19,704. But we have to take into account the gross domestic product of the economic system which was in operation at that time. This is because uh, money was not the only way that economic exchange were made. There's something called trade by barter, and I believe that was also part of the economy of the day. But having said that, the oil was very, very expensive. And the smell, the Bible says, filled the whole house. Judah's idea was that it could have provided much-needed food pack for the local food bank or even provided shelter for the homeless for a night or two. 
undoubtedly in a world such as ours where poverty exists when it should not. Although Judah raised a fair question, but not with good and sincere intention. Sometimes people give things not because they really want to give. This is Numa Podcast with the Reverend Michelangeli Oguche. God bless you. Keep listening. They give because it makes them also to feel good. So it was a misplaced priority and lack of understanding of both the identity of Jesus Christ and what he was about to experience in terms of tribulation and suffering. Judas had no sense of importance and urgency of the mission of Christ, which was why he placed higher premium on material things above spiritual things. To make matter worse, Judas don't even care for the poor he was advocating for. Can we see ourselves in this picture? Do you find yourself saying things that you never really believe? Do you see yourself in this picture here? Jesus reassures Mary that she did what was right, meaning that she should be commended for setting a good example. And he said in verse 7, Leave her alone. She had kept this for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Today, even at the church, we tend to argue about how to spend or raise large portion of money for the cosmetics of our churches or the property of our church. Some will argue that such money be given to other courses and by so doing, we seem to justify Judah's position. We must, however, understand that we are not being taught a lesson in economics justice here. Instead, we are being invited to reflect theologically on how we steward God's resources in our care. Mary understood the urgency and the implication for Jesus Christ's earthly existence and therefore wanted to make the best of their time together by showing such unreserved love by using the last jar on her shelf. Friends, what do you have on your shelf that is so important to you today? Jesus' intervention should not be misconstrued as Jesus' command not to help the poor. Because it's so easy to come to that conclusion that Jesus hates the poor. But that's not the case. We have seen throughout the New Testament where Jesus blesses the poor and encourages us all his followers to do likewise. His response could well mean that as you do good to the poor, you do it for him. In Matthew 25 verse 45, Jesus said truly, I tell you, whatsoever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. 
So Jesus always care for the poor. Jesus always fed the poor. He's always there for the poor. He always identify with the poor. So we do need to understand clearly each time we make assumptions of what Jesus might be saying. This story also demonstrates to us that in God's family, there are different characters serving different purposes. Martha, Mary, Lazarus, the disciples, Judas are all part of the plan of God. For example, Judas was needed to do the betraying. Though he had the opportunity, as we said before, to be a vessel of honor. Remember the scripture says in 1 Peter 5.8, Be alert of sober mind. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a rolling lion looking for someone to devour. This means that even though we're called of God, even though we're believers, we follow Jesus Christ, the devil is not giving up. And that's the more reason why he's hanging around, looking, lurking to see how he can take advantage of you. The devil is hanging around, especially if you're a child of God. There are many lessons we can learn from the actions of Mary. Mary points all believers to the act of extravagant love for Jesus Christ by giving the best of what she had to give. And she's teaching us from this passage that we also should give the best that we have in our shelf. Later, we shall see Jesus Christ himself giving up his life in John chapter 15, verse 13. He said, Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. My friends, what gift can be more than this? We are sure to miss the point if we give less of ourselves or half of our commitment to God. And it is not enough to just relegate ourselves to Sunday Sunday Christianity. And it is not about one big act or two or even three, but about our whole life surrendering unreservedly to Jesus Christ. In Romans 12:1, the Bible says, I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. So as Christians, we are called to, to give our all to God. We are asked to present our bodies as living sacrifice, something that is acceptable to God, something that we present to God with our whole hearts, something that we present to God without shame. Mary did this unreservedly. She used our glory to wipe the dirty feet of Jesus Christ. She didn't care what people would think. She didn't care what the law says, but she did it anyway. And we're called tonight, we're called tonight to do likewise. What is it that is so important in your life? 
that you need to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing, my brothers and sisters, there's nothing, friends, that you couldn't or you cannot give to the Lord Jesus Christ. When our whole life becomes a gift, when our every act becomes a prayer, then the extravagant giving comes naturally out of the last jar on our shelf without reservation. That's what we're called to do. That's what you want to do as a Christian. God doesn't require haphazard commitment to him. The biggest lesson for me in this whole story is that it helps us to recognize the true identity of Jesus Christ. And once you catch that understanding, no amount of criticism can hold you back from giving your all, even the last most expensive perfume jar on your shelf. As we approach the end of the 2019 Lenten season and reflecting on Jesus' visit to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' home and on his last days in Jerusalem and his subsequent gift for mankind on Calvary's cross, may we, you and me, give ourselves so freely without reservation to him, not out of the fear or scarcity, but out of genuine love for God. In Romans 8.32, the Bible tells us that God did not spare his son, but he gave him up for you and for me and for as many that will accept Jesus Christ. I invite you tonight to consider giving your all to Jesus Christ. Consider giving your last jar on your shelf. That thing that you have so treasured all these years. Some of you will die without giving out what you should give out. Of what good will it be when you are gone? We came into this world with nothing. And secondly, we will leave this world with nothing. Therefore, everything that we own is given to us by God. Of course, some of you might think, oh, I got this by my smartness. I got that because I'm smart. But friend, I'm sorry to disappoint you today that the Lord is the one who make you to have what you have. God created you. He's the master of the universe. He gave you that ability to make wealth, to become smart. Whether you know that or not, whether that person know that or not, it is God. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you once again for this moment, the moment of truth, the moment of reflection. Lord, as many that hear the sound of my voice, may they come to that place, O Lord, that they can understand, that they can give all that they have sitting on their shelf to you without reservation, just like Mary did. Lord, may this lesson, O oh God, help us through this period. 
and even for the rest of our lives, that nothing will become more valuable than that which you have done for us on the cross of Calvary. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I will offer up my life in spirit and truth, pouring out the oil of love as my worship to you. In surrender I must give my every part. Lord, receive the sacrifice of a broken heart. Jesus, what can I give? What can I bring to so faithful a friend, to so loving a King? listening to the NUMA podcast. This has been the Reverend Michael Angeli Oguche. I pray that God will richly bless you until I come your way again.